This is exactly right. It's 1943 in the Kingdom of Bulgaria. As the Second World War rages, King Boris dies suddenly and every nation is a suspect. The Butterfly King premieres March the 21st on Exactly Right. It's a cruel tale of a doomed royal dynasty. Somewhere, the truth is out there. Listen to The Butterfly King on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) Are you leaving or are you on your way back home? Either way, we want to be there. Doesn't matter how much baggage you claim. Give us a time and terminal and gate we want to send you off in style we want to welcome you back home tell us all about it were you scared or was it fine mouth horn Welcome to Do You Need a Ride? This is uh, Chris Fairbanks. And this is Karen Kilgariff. I don't know why I have to go, uh, before my name. It's as though I have to think about it for a second. I think it's your way of seeming natural. Right. It's my... Who knows? I have to try really hard to seem natural. And I do a lot of stammers and ums. Right. Especially when I'm... What's more natural? Script reading or scene reading. I've been uh, rehearsing with a band... And I mentioned it before that I was nervous, but now I feel better now that I'm not just listening to Dead Kennedys and Firehose and all these singers with different voices entirely and trying to mimic them, which is what I was doing. And now that I'm doing it with a band, I'm singing it like myself, and I'm very excited for this weekend now, whereas before I was scared and doubting myself. And I just wanted to... Share that with you, Karen, because you are a singer. Well, I appreciate, I'm glad that you are continuing on the journey instead of stopping at being nervous. Right. Because that's the key, right? It is a journey. And also, you have to remember that feeling, and you're going to do this to yourself because I've seen you do this in comedy. Mm-hmm. You're going to start telling yourself stories as it's happening yep. about how people are receiving you. You Scary are stories. wrong. You are wrong. You are wrong. Although. And you don't know what how they're receiving. You don't know. I assure you. Yeah. And the, what's really happening is you're vulnerable and you don't like it. It's, it's kind of, I find, the opposite of stand-up comedy, which is very invulnerable. So if you choose to be that way. But yeah. singing, you have no choice. Right. You got to open it all the way up. Yep. And I'm not going to give a speech in the beginning that says, I've never sang in a band. I'm actually a comedian. I'm not going to make nope. excuses. I'm going to pretend do I it. belong there, do a lot of high kicks, <laughs> and I'm going to do a lot of screaming, and I'm going to drink my throat coat tea, 
So you just started this story kind of out of the blue, but what is this a gig? Is it a show? It what is, is happening? That's the other thing. It's like one of those comedy shows where you have to do a bunch of homework and write new material. It's so <laughs> much work the for worst. one show. Yeah. And it is a skate But at park. least they're paying you $500. That's nope, what's cool. No money. No oh, well. accolades, really. Just friendship, college friends from my college days in Missoula. They all know how to play instruments. They asked me to sing I, and when I was in Portland. And I said yes. And then I was nervous for a full month. But now we're yeah. figuring it out. But it's for a skate park opening in How West many songs Florida. are you going to do? Uh, 17 songs. Are you being serious? Yes. And You're then, doing a double album of songs? Yes. A <laughs> lot of them are, are two-minute interstitial songs specifically. <laughs> They're all from late 80s, early 90s <laughs> skate videos. And some okay. of them are just very short one-minute okay. songs. Of, but it. all of them involve me using all of my vocal cords. Sure. Uh, but some of them I'm nailing, I think. And it, it's, uh, but yes, it is a lot of songs. But those guys are learning the bass lines and guitar riffs and drumming. I mean, I, my job is easier. I'm just singing karaoke. Arguable. Because if the bass line dips out for five seconds because the guy gets lost, the entire song, song still keeps going. Right. But the singer... If, I, if my voice cracks, I notice and I faint <laughs> and hit my head or something, which I've imagined <laughs> specifically you... that scenario... Yeah. The show's over. Yeah, you do have a good point, and the nervousness is back. <laughs> you need that nervousness. It's good energy. Don't interpret it as bad energy. It'll be great. I'm going to do... I forgot I have the option of doing high kicks. Yeah, they asked me in Portland. That's where our, our guest is from today, and I'm very excited to have him because every time I talk with today's guest in person, it's like therapeutic for me. He's a special, special person. He's a special person. He's actually originally from Carson, California, though. Where the mm. go-karts mm. are? <laughs> That's all I've done in Carson. <laughs> they also have a, a Toyota dealership where you can't get a lemon. <laughs> go somewhere else and you have to go, I almost got a lemon. But not in Carson. Not, not in Carson, Carson no way. I would never let you. I, I assume it's the same Carson. You've seen him in at, at colleges and clubs. Across the country. <laughs> it's better when you do that, Karen. <laughs> no, you did, you're you Don't bail halfway through. You, do, I, you know going. what I did bail on through? I almost called you Kevin. I don't know why. <laughs> you, it's better when you do it, Kevin. Good, Karen. You've seen him at clubs and colleges across the country. Put your hands together for the hilarious Ron Funches, everyone. Woo! Hi. Hi, Ron. Hi, I Ron. like your friendship. It's fun. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. It's real. I like how supportive it is. It's real, it, and, and Karen's just saying the right things. It's all so true. <laughs> Thank you. I yeah. try to be. Um, I try to be supportive mm -hmm. in a kind of confrontational way because Chris, Chris has a way of thinking about his, himself that sometimes infuriates me. Right. Mm -hmm. When I watch him be great at comedy, and then he comes off stage and like, yeah, suck. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, you don't know shit. Yeah. yeah. I think that's important. I thought yeah. you were going to tell me to cancel the show, and then you you, you were just supportive. So you're right. It it's was a, very realistic and supportive where she yeah. goes, you have to do it, and you have to go through the fear. And then she also goes, 
that's too many songs. So it's really <laughs> everything that you want to hear. It is all true. It is too many songs. <laughs> 17. I've dog-eared the ones I'm willing to let go. Like the dead Kennedys. I can't do high Ethel Merman vibrato screaming. Unless I go, ah, I can, sorry for that sample, but I've been I don't think you should do that live on stage. That was yes. probably off put, it's off putting to me. Well, Jessica, <laughs> you got to hear the whole song, Ron. Jessica Simpson. Jessica Simpson does that with a mic. She goes, like, waves it in front of her face to create a vibrato. Yeah. Yeah. And where's she been lately? There's a lot. She makes shoes now. Oh, there's I've, a lot. I've got, of, yeah, my my nieces love her uh, pumps. Yeah, yeah. She's got a whole, and she actually just bought back her own, like trademark or something. Like apparently she sold it, and then it was going downhill, and then she bought it back, and now she's Jessica. She's back on top. I just remember looking at the headline, and she was wearing like a cowl neck sweater, and I actually felt happy for her, even though I've. Like, I was too old when she got big to care. Right, me too. One way or the other. But then I was like, I love when a person buys their thing back. Yeah. yeah. That's always good. Yeah, people were really hard on her just because she thought that maybe tuna was chicken. But it's called Chicken <laughs> of the Sea. It's a deceiving name. I know why mm -hmm. she said that. They set her up. Yeah, yeah they did. And mm -hmm. if you're like her having fresh albacore or, or seared tuna all the time, it does seem like a can of chopped up chicken. And in her defense, what with all the dolphins and everything, you know, you I get very uh environmental. All the all the different meats in the can, there might be chicken in there, Jessica. She's not here, Chris. I, I put her on speakerphone. <laughs> Ron, can you sing? Uh a little bit. I take singing lessons, or I was taking singing lessons for a while. Really? When? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for what reason? Um, for fun, because it was a pandemic and I didn't have <laughs> much to do. And I like um I wanted to do an activity or try to find a hobby or a passion that didn't have anything to do with monetary um results at the end. Mm. I, you know, everything else that I did was usually like, oh, I'm trying to get paid for this and that. And so to just do something because I wanted to do it and to try to, to get better at it and something that I'm not, um, you know, confident at. It was just something I wanted to do. Have you ever been a person that did karaoke? No. I don't oh, really? Like, so I'm a pretty shy person outside of the stage. I don't like attention on me unless I want attention on me. Yeah. And then I want a lot of attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, can you give Chris any singing tips of like what you learned? Um, I just learned a lot more vocal techniques about how to hold my mouth in ways just how making sure your mouth is loose and when you're, you know, that your O's are more like ahs, okay. you know, it's not like opening like that and to not sing from your throat, but to sing from your chest and, th and through it. So I had to do a lot of practice. And yeah. I even Googled some things and what I was doing was taking a deep breath so I could spit out four lines, but apparently you're supposed to take a deep breath in and then exhale most of it. Because if you have all that wind rushing against your vocal cords, that's what strains them apparently. That's, mm -hmm. But it's yeah. hard to do. 
And that was also another reason, because I do a lot of voiceovers, and some of them involve singing. And and that was very, like, I would do the voiceover, and we'd, like, we'd get it done in an hour, and then we could do a song, and it'd take me, like, two, three hours for one song, because <laughs> mm-hmm. it, we'd have to do the rhythm of the song, and then I'd have to sing it in my voice, and then they'd be like, well, you gotta be the character. So it right. was... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, but my character doesn't sing. Yeah. Neither yeah. me nor my character sing. <laughs> yeah, it is much harder because I did the opposite. I was listening to all these different artists and doing an impersonation of their voices. But now that I'm playing with a band and not just singing along with a song, I'm just singing like myself and it's such a weight off my shoulders. It's so hard to sing as someone else. Yeah. Well, I think that's like any type of art, right? You do. You start off by mimicking the people that you enjoy. And, you know, I do the same with my stand up, you know, and then Mm -hmm. you try to find who you are and your differences, you know. Yeah. Did you paint these paintings or what's this? Oh, my my dad painted those. Oh, well, he seems like a great artist. Thanks. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He is great. This is how uh, Karen ended up with one of his paintings, just this mm-hmm. exact situation. Me sp- <laughs> looking around that room behind him and then being like, what's that over there? Yeah, and so then- just point to the one you want and we'll get <laughs> your address. My dad really is, because he can't paint anymore. He's got a hand issue, a nerve mm-hmm. issue. So he's just trying to give them away to everyone. Was that difficult for him? Yeah, it's just a shaky hand. It's No, I just mean not being able to paint. Oh, right. Uh, He's sure pretending it isn't, Mm. but it has to be. Yeah. I would imagine so. It's something I think about a lot. Just, um, you know, especially since we had to take a break for a while with the pandemic, I get more, I, I mean, I don't like try to do comedy every night, but I'm certainly more like, oh, like this can be taken from me. And also like um, my uncle, I get a lot, like I'm a real against my own instincts, which is to be lazy and chill all day. I'm very <laughs> much a, like a go-getter. Like I like working a lot. And I get that from like my uncle who, like when I lived in Chicago, he was always such a, um, like he was like vice principal. Everybody knew him around the neighborhood. Like if it was a middle of a blizzard and someone knocked on your door at nine in the morning, like you knew it was my uncle. Like he was the only person who would be up and out <laughs> like that. And then like one day he also was like um, the super of a building and he heard a commotion in his building. He went to check on it and some the people were robbing this lady and they saw him and they shot my uncle in the head and like he survived. Uh, whoa. Uh, but like ever since then, he's gotten like, you know, brain damage and like he has more of like a mentality of like a teenager where he likes to just stay inside all day and smoke in the house and like, uh, play, you know, not video games, but like just like have little pee bottles in the house and stuff. Yeah, and so yeah. Something, oh no, like a, like a teenager, like a like a fourteen year old teenager, and it's like it's something that I'm always like, oh, like you can always like someone can take that spark from you, whether you you know from in so many different ways. So right, it's important to remember that. Is that why you have the the plan B of becoming a wrestler? And how far has that gone? <laughs> Um, I mean, no, I just did one match and I liked it a lot. It was really fun. I don't plan to do more because it seems painful. It was painful. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I saw some footage. I don't know where I saw it, but the mat is 
not as springy and padded as you think, right? No, it's, I mean, it's got some give, but it's it's still people, like when they slap you and stuff, they really slap yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I, I for uh, when I worked for Fuel TV, I let the guys, uh, Lucha Vavum guys, throw me around. And I didn't get one, but needed a neck brace afterwards. And I had the big <laughs> red slaps on my back and chest, like permanent hand marks. Mm-hmm. But it was my, I said, let me have it. I can take it. But that was one thing I noticed. The floor is not, it is a just piece of wood with fabric on it. Yeah, sometimes, especially when you're trained and they don't, sometimes they don't even let you use the ring. They just make you use an old school wrestling mat on the floor. Oh, wow. So then it's just like, you really got to be careful. How much did you train for that? Um, I mean, overall for like a year, but I'd say steady, I would go once a week for three hours a day for like three months. And then I found this other place um, that was a little more chill. And I would just go like once a week, once a month, once a month, usually for like a few, few months just to get ready. Are you still going? Cause I remember when you first moved to LA and your career was taking off and I was very excited for you. Uh, I think it just started with seeing you on At Midnight. Uh, to me, you were such a new comic that I just met. And then that was that was a big deal to me. I was proud of you. Still am. Thank you. But uh, you and like Matt and a lot of guys went way out of town. Like, was it Carson or something in that direction to go see? Went to Long Beach, I believe. Oh, it was Long Beach. That makes mm-hmm. more sense. Yeah, also, you know, go play any place. Anaheim, I was in Chicago at a show last week. So I go, I'll go to a show. Why not? Yeah. I went in for the first time. I went and saw an hour of comedy. I saw Alex Edelman's one, that man show. And that was fun. It was fun to watch somebody else do comedy for a while. It's rare. I'm not going to do it a lot, but it was <laughs> nice to do it. Yeah, I still like watching it, too. I always thought it was strange when comics were like, did not want to watch Because I like stand-up more than ever now, so that includes watching other people that are good at it. Yeah, it's fun. It's real fun for me to, like, I'm going to be, which is not old. It's just a fact. I'm not trying to say, like, oh, oh, I'm just saying I'm going to be 40 in six months. And, like, I started when I was 23, so it's for the first time where I've seen like, there's like a full generation of people behind me now. And so to meet people who are like good comics that are in their mid twenties or early twenties, or, you know, even 30 and have them be like, Oh man, I like, I liked you when I was before I started. And you know, that's, <laughs> that's all new for me. And it's real cool and yeah. interesting. And you know, sometimes you gotta be like, what? <laughs> and then, but you're like, I better, like, I, I gotta stop thinking I'm full of this potential. The youngsters are always coming up from behind. That's always a weird thing, too, because I noticed when I was like, I stopped doing comedy. Then when I came back to do it, it was like there was two, if not three generations that were now doing it. And I, for my observation, I was just, because it was also between when like the internet and people learning from uh, like seeing way more comics than just late night because of the internet. And to me, I was just like, these people are so much funnier. Like everybody, it's like, it felt to me like this concentration where people are like learning from better and better people or at least observing 
better and better styles, kind of. Yeah, well, it's the evolution of anything, just like you see in sports where there's better athletes just from people being able to watch, people being able to learn technique from other people. And I think one of the things, the lessons I'm trying to take is that like, oh, the people who were inspired by me in some way, and I'm not trying to say a bunch of people were, but there are at least some people. Uh, <laughs> and what I can then learn is like the twist off of what they've done. And that's mm-hmm. like fun to kind of go like, okay, well, you guys can evolve off of me, but I can still, as long as I don't get better, I yeah. can evolve off of you because it's yep. really fun to see kind of the shifts in comedy going on right now where like a lot of the people who are on top right now as far as getting like all the specials and all that stuff are universally mostly being like mocked by the people on the ground floor and i don't and that and it's so fun to see that which i like because i you know i'm a fan of wrestling fan of hip-hop and that's like how it always goes it's like these people come in as the rebels they become established and then there's this other group that younger group that comes in and says you're lame now and that's fun to me (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it keeps the pressure on a little bit. Also, I feel like watching watching the younger people start and not have, and maybe this is part of what you're saying, but when you are unknown, you don't have the pressure and you also don't know a bunch of stuff. So you can, you, I think you feel freer or at least you, your mind is freer. But then as you, as you kind of go along, you either fear or trying to aim yourself, which is to me, I think a mistake when you're like, oh, I'm going to do it mm-hmm. this way. This will be funnier. It's, I, I was always wrong when I did that. Like any kind of trying to get out ahead of authenticity and plan right. was the worst, always the worst idea. So it's kind of cool when you get to watch other people that are like, oh, you're not even thinking of that part. You're just truly trying to say the funniest thing that you can think of. Right. Yeah. I think, and I mean, sound like you might've had something to say, Chris, I don't want to interrupt you. Oh no, no, go on, go on. Um, one of the things that um, I think is fun about that, and not that I would ever want to go back there, uh, but like when you, before you have any hint of like success, then you really kind of are like mining for gold, right? You're like, I'll try this, I'll try that. And then if you get some positive reinforcement of acting a certain way, a lot of people get locked in that, right? They go like, okay, if this is how you wanted me to act so that I got a paycheck, I'm going to stay that way. And, you know, and I've always, it's hard sometimes, but I listen to my intuition. I listen to myself. That's like, no, like, you know, it was one of my big reasons of getting healthy. And, and some people, and, and in some cases, they were right. They were like, oh, if you lose this weight, people are going to look at you differently as a character and it's going to set you back. People aren't going to know who you are. And in some cases, like the first six months of people, of like, when I was putting up posters of my new self and people be like, I don't even, I don't know who that is, you know? And I'd be like, well, no, they will put up in some, I go to some clubs and they were just using the old posters so that they could say, this is this guy. Oh, you know? wow. And yeah. So it was a little bit of that, but I was like, I know overall, the healthier I am, the more opportunities I'm going to have. And this is just who I want to be and what I want to do. And that's overall is what has gotten me success is always like listening to myself and what I want to do as opposed to, I just think sometimes so many people get a little bit of success and then it, it makes them get serious about comedy yeah. Yeah. when it yeah. should still be just as the silly worst. and fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Self-serious comics. Uh, 
Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've all done it a little bit, but uh, yeah, that I mean, kind I feel of like thing I just of... did a whole diatribe about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, but also it makes me think that that kind of advice of like, oh, if you lose, if you lose weight, people can't recognize you. It's like but you'll have the same name and the same voice yeah. and the same comedy style. Like that is such an oversimplified um basically saying here's it's better if you stay in a pigeonhole, which is always bullshit. Like, right. or it's at least a very, maybe sa- people trying to be safe. Like, here's how to make sure to never, where it's like, I think it'll be, I think that risk is It okay. is why I've, I've given myself permission to maintain a slightly less than athletic physique. I always, you know, my <laughs> tendency is to want to get very veiny and ripped. But then <laughs> you got that Joe Piscopo syndrome where no one's going to think you're funny. So I can't get those big muscles, you know? That's just bad for comedy. And I sort of, I'm kidding, of course, but I also agree with what I'm saying. (laughs) No one wants to see a big, muscly comedian. You got to work extra hard. You got to be sillier now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, But it's all different styles. Yeah. You can only wear tank tops, I think, if you're a weightlifting comedian. Yeah. it restricts your wardrobe quite a yeah. bit. Yeah. But that can bring in people. That can help. Oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> Not in winter. There's a lot of people out we there. We just start debating. <laughs> These, yeah, seasonal fans of uh, arm comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I love summertime muscle comedy. What kind do you do? Quirky. Winter soup comedy. Winter squishy quirky. <laughs> well, I mean, I just think Overall, to to you know to be real about it, like the job is often super unhealthy, and yeah. so I, that's the thing I've been noticing mostly is especially now that I got my new son, and um, I just want to spend more time at home, like that. I just and then that I've been trying to be healthy. You know, I've made this goal for myself. Because, you know, you guys know me for a long time, so like you know, when at my heavy, it was like three hundred and sixty pounds, and then I lost a bunch of weight, and then the pandemic, and I put on like 30, 40 pounds, and so um, I just kind of made this goal to myself of like I want to be at my healthiest when I turn forty years old, mm. and I was doing it and working on it. And then I go out on tour and I just notice like, oh, like this is, even if I'm trying, even if I'm like, oh, I'm packing a protein powder. I'm trying to order it is that. Like it was just by the end of the week, it was so hard. And I'm like, this job is not good for my health. And mm-hmm. I have to ba- really be aware and balance it. And then it really, you know, it's the first time where it felt like a athlete where I'm like, oh, I can't do this forever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We were uh, doing the podcast on the road. We were, there was an era, and I mean, I gained so much weight on the road because it, we could, didn't, nobody wanted to eat before. Yeah. We'd, you know, like so at six o'clock. you have to have chicken fingers. Mm-hmm. Yes, chicken fingers yeah. and like mac and cheese. I would always be like, well, I'm going to have a little treat and have mac and cheese. And I like <laughs> little treated myself into gaining like 40 pounds. But also because... Oftentimes you're by yourself. So then it's like watching TV and you're not going to, I mean, He's crazy. people do this, but it's like ordering steamed broccoli and watching, uh, you know, forensics files is, it's just not as fun. <laughs> There's a whole vibe that like, it, they don't go together. I, a couple yeah. times remember picking up my stuff and going down and trying to like walk around and find a gym just so to make sure that I got like a little bit of cardio in that yeah. day. And I would just be wandering around a hotel like how, like, 
somebody that does this on the road should make like a video series of like, here's what you can do. You figure out where the gym is. You like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Just like break it down a little bit more because it isn't easy yeah. and it isn't fun. No. You know who was good for me opening for Greg Barrett? He not only did he tell me I didn't need to drink before every show because I was nervous. Uh, the next day, he'd be like, hey, we're going to the gym early in the morning. He kind of forced me to go. And it, for a while, I was in my own habit of doing that. I've since yeah. fallen off. We can all blame the pandemic. But, That's what uh, I do with my openers. It's like, it's almost weird. It's a little cultish in a way, which which <laughs> I don't deny. And I tell them, I'm like, hey, don't come if you don't want to be involved. But they <laughs> they come and I, you know, I make sure they get their hotel and everything's taken care of. And I try to pay them on top of stuff if I can. But then they're like, hey, you got to come work out with me because I need someone to go work out with. You got to come eat. If you if I'm paying for your food, you can, we're going to go eat healthy. If, if you want to eat non-healthy, you got to go buy that on your own. But if, if mm. I will take care of you that's and great. make sure you eat, but you got to come eat what I'm eating. You yeah. Know? And so that's been fun and it's been helpful for some people. But then sometimes they get sick of it. Is there, <laughs> is there any comic that was like, I'm not willing to do that. I will not go to the gym. <laughs> um, no, not usually because I could tell them up front. So I picked the right people. I mean, my friend Gabe, he, just because he's yeah, my friend. I know Gabe. For like, yeah, for, so he'll be like, you're not going to not bring me just because I don't want to go to Yeah, because you've known him <laughs> since you were like started comedy, right? Yeah, since yeah, the day I started. So yeah, he's he gets a pass with everybody else. But luckily, like, you know, who I love working with, like Blair Saki, and she's yeah. super into like, she's, I mean, I love her. She's the best. I, and I just can't wait for the industry people to figure that out or for her to figure a way around them because she's truly amazing and she's such a hard worker and I never have to ask her that. She's always telling me. She'll straighten me out if I'm like, <laughs> oh, let's, you know, let, oh, we can get some wings and stuff. And she's like, oh, I'm doing this. I'm focused. She's just yeah. always, you know, working on her well, craft. if it's it. ain't constantly, from my perspective, she's been doing great in the last couple of years. I, I think she's kind of blowing up, so. I, I only know her from Twitter, but she's really funny. Yeah, oh, she's the best. She really, one of my things about her is that she really um, makes you grateful for stuff because she's so genuinely excited and happy about little things. Like if she'll just like, if she likes a cheeseburger, you really, she's just like, oh my God, it's like <laughs> manna from heaven. You know, she talks like a pro wrestler talks, but about regular stuff. And it always makes me go like, oh yeah, I forget. Like, this is fun and life is fun and cheeseburgers are good. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so the simple joys in life we all take for granted. It's fun when you have a friend that points them out all the time. It's like, oh yeah, you're right. These are our best years. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I saw recently. Yeah. Ages 40 to 60 are like when a human is the most happiest. That's what I'm really excited about, especially, and you, you know, not to be a racial and do it, but be make it a 40-year-old black man who grew up in Chicago. Mm -hmm. It's just wild. I really get to be like, man, I, I survived a lot of things. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm grandfathered, hopefully away from any type of violence that people go like, he's too old to get involved in this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're grandfathered out of violence. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm 
in a dark alley or somewhere where I feel like I'm maybe in trouble and someone's approaching and it looks like they don't have a care in the world or that look in their eye like I might be in danger. I do act like I'm older. I'll hunch over and kind of limp a little bit <laughs> and grumble like I'm just a grumpy old man because I can be I can play old from a distance. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that mustache is helpful. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good point. You're aging <laughs> out of <laughs> violence. Oh, that's so great. So wait, Ron, you, uh, I saw in your bio, but you were you just like born in California and then you moved to Chicago and yeah. then moved to Portland? Yeah, well, basically, you run down. Yeah, I was born in Carson, um, but only lived in the L.A. area for like four years and then moved to Chicago. With my mom and my dad got divorced. And mm-hmm. I grew up in Chicago till I was a teenager. And then I moved back with my dad, but he's in Oregon at this time. Uh, and that's where I, um, you know, went to high school. And then I started comedy in Portland and lived there until I was 30. And then um, moved to Los Angeles, where I've been for the past nine and a half years. Wow. That really... Let's me know the last decade has flown by because I yeah. would have said you moved to LA like five years ago. <laughs> well, we get to subtract two, I believe. Oh, yeah, that. yeah. Right, oh, true. right. Yeah. yeah, that's what I've been telling all people is that <laughs> like, you know, if you if you feel bad about where you are, you really just got to remember you're two years younger than you think you are because <laughs> yeah. you got put in stasis for a while. We all got <laughs> robbed. We've been in that cryogenic matrix chamber. Yeah. For real. That was fun when I saw you last week. Oh, you mean 2019? Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Not last week, I guess. It's always when people are like, oh, you don't remember me? We saw each other before the pandemic. I'm like, come on, you're ridiculous. You got to reintroduce yourself. I just did that with my, uh, I went to the my new periodontist. And he right before he went into my mouth, I was like, I just need to tell you, is for three years I didn't go to a hygienist. For three years, whatever you're about to look at, I'm ashamed. Yeah. Because for three years I've been fucking around in my house, being like, oh, well, yeah. I'll take care of it later. Yeah, no, yeah, I had some. I was doing real well on my dental stuff because we started, you know, no health insurance and stuff, and then got health insurance, and they had to come in and do deep cleanings and yeah. yeah. And there was for a long time, I was like, oh, I never wanted to do that again. Then pandemic. <laughs> and then I went to it again. And she's like, we got scheduled deep cleaning. I do deep. Mm. I go deep uh, once a year. Got to do it. And I haven't for two they years. They use a laser on you? Do they use a laser? Oh, I didn't get the laser. I just <laughs> got a high power laser. pressure wash. <laughs> and a pressure wash pick and a laser. And it was laser. burning stuff off. Yeah. Wow. Did it? Was that for to like heal up some gums? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I got gum problems too. Yeah, you want to keep rough. nine gingivitis, then you, that's how your teeth get loose and you lose them. Oh mm-hmm. no, this is the that's the nightmare I always recurringly have. <laughs> <laughs> Mid conversation, all your teeth fall out. Oh no, trying to catch them. But you get a lot of money. <laughs> we'll have to go to back to high school too. That's my other nightmare. Yeah, I. Uh, it's time. What is a perio? What did you say? Periodontist? Periodontist is for my gums. Because I take seizure medication, which is bad for your gums. And then if you're not all on it, which I am not, then your gums get all inflamed and 
all the bad things. So you have to go get special. Wow. I have to go get special thing. And I think I'm going to have to get what Ron's talking about because there's, uh, you know, they're just all screwed up. And they, they basically, correct me if I'm wrong, Ron, but they kind of like go in and like burn your gums so they heal themselves better wow. and like adhere themselves back onto your teeth better. Yeah. Yeah. I could I could use that. I want some burning. I have some thin, <laughs> vulnerable, translucent gums. <laughs> welcome oh, no, uh, welcome to the most it. disgusting <laughs> podcast uh, on the market. <laughs> this conversation is second only to when we talked about cleaning out your ears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we don't we break all the rules of podcasting. Yeah, that's right. You're not supposed to get medical or clinical. <laughs> but what's we been your every last time. procedure, Ron? <laughs> Tell us where they put those cameras. <laughs> we want to know. I'll tell you. <laughs> when you were in quarantine, did you have any, because um, I know it was super boring and it was just so unprecedented, right? Like no one really knew. Uh, it's just such a weird time. Was there any, did you have any weird experiences or any kind of like, um, Mental breakdown? Or, well, <laughs> or epiphanies? My my example was going to be I woke up in the middle of the night one night and the house, three houses down from me was on fire. And it was oh. one of the weirdest, like all the firemen came obviously, but it was so, it made a surreal thing. It almost went so beyond being surreal that I was like, oh, okay, everything's actually kind of regular still. Because <laughs> I'd been in my house like a weird fish tank, you know, like staring out the front window and looking at the beautiful air because no one was driving because no one was going anywhere and the Mm -hmm. valley was totally clear and I was just like, this is weird. I might lose my mind. And then like this house caught on fire and then I, we all, all the neighbors walked up and watched it burn down and it was all very like, huh. And then I went, oh yeah, this is, it's only as weird as just the next normal thing that happens outside of our house. I don't know. No, yeah. I mean, for me, I I think the beginning of the pandemic, you know, I think was right around my birthday. And I went to Hawaii to go do the shows with my friends, with Blair and Gabe and um, my wife, who's my fiance at the time. And we went to go Hawaii to go do shows. And so as we're there, you know, we're like, oh, we're going to do the show on Saturday. Oh, we've been hearing about this thing and, oh, but it's going to be fine. And then the next day we went out to dinner for my birthday and it was great, but you hear more and more people whispering. And then the next day they were like, oh, we're canceling the show. We got to get flights home. Oh, wow. And we're like, we're out on the beach, like kind of almost like setting it up. And like, I look over to the left and like everybody's on their phone, kind of freaking out and talking, same thing to the right. But then like, when I just look out at the beach and just see like, you know, you could see like people swimming and you could see the tide rolling in and the sun and going on. And it was just real, this thing of this feeling of like, um, just kind of thing where you have to like forgive and go through things and just kind of not thrash. And I'm like, oh, the more I like move around and freak out, the worse this is. But if I look out and look at what things are going on in, in the world, it's, it's this thing I've often felt like if I feel like if I'm truly feeling like anxiety and stuff, like I like to go outside and go to like a dog park or whatever. And then, cause I don't even have a dog, but just look, look <laughs> at dogs and like, and yep. if, do- if they're having fun and doing well, you're like, well, just by nature, like everything is kind of okay. Like if the internet and social media makes me feel like everybody hates me or whatever, yeah. you're like, oh, these, 
Dogs are just playing and having fun. Yeah. Now, if, the, if the dog who freaking out and hiding somewhere, <laughs> then I know. We got yeah. I gotta go prepare. Right. What if you were at the dog park and all the dogs left? Like <laughs> all the dogs started running in one direction. How fucking scary that would be. I would freak out. I would go, I would know end times were coming. <laughs> Follow those dogs. Several times when I would go on walks and you'd see parks like uh the little hiking trail near me in Echo Park. Everything was overgrown, the city wasn't cutting down these weeds and it was just flowers and owls everywhere and animals. I wasn't even supposed to be in the park. They had it roped off with like police tape, but I broke the rules and walked alone in a park. And I was comforted by the fact that yes, the earth, the world was continuing. It was just humanity that was on hold. And that includes, and I still think about it because there's all this violence sprouting up in certain cities like, Chicago, I noticed there's been a lot of murders. Everyone was quarantining during that time. Even murderers were like, well, I'm just going to read a book and, <laughs> and uh, you know, just kind of get to know myself. Just relax a little. <laughs> yeah, it's people that I'm scared of, but then you go out and then the earth is still going. It's like, I love Like the bad that. guy from Seven with his, uh, his creepy apartment and everything, but he's like, oh, I'm just going to, yeah, I'm I haven't taken a day off in years. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to go stop swimming. planning serial murders yeah. and relax in here a little bit. Yeah. Do I want to murder or do I feel like I just have to because this is what I've been doing? Yeah. <laughs> it was nice for everyone to take a little career break, including murderers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was the big one for me because, you know, most of my life I've just been defined by being a stand-up comedian. So to have that not be there and was a big old mental journey for me. Part of the time I was depressed and it was difficult. It was even difficult for my wife because she, you know, originally she just tried to go the positive route of being like, hey, we're lucky that you can afford to stay home and you don't have to do these things if you don't want to. And, and, but for me, I had to be like, hey, this is how I, like, I, if you ask me who I am, I'd be like, I'm a comedian. And so yeah. to have to like, adjust that and think bigger than that for the first time in what 17 years at that point um was i'm very grateful for that because it, it really changed the way that i looked at life and then it made me change the way i look at comedy which has been very helpful as far as me being less competitive and less stressful yeah. and able to again enjoy other comedians because I had reached a point where I just saw all other comedians as competition. And oh, now yeah. it's, it's sometimes I can get that way and I have to stop myself, but I more, I'm like, I'm especially not even just like the pandemic, but then all the suicides that we went through, we lost a lot of our friends, yeah. was just to really sit back and be like, Oh, I'm grateful and lucky to be around such unique minds that, are funny, whether they're super successful or they're just super funny or they just yeah. think differently. Like, it's just a blessing to have to spend time and especially for free to get yeah. to watch people <laughs> that like, you know, that so many people pay to go watch or are just maybe someone will never see, but I got to see them. And yeah. that is a, a blessing of a life. And I mean, again, these are the things that Blair reminds me of is that we're just lucky to 
see each other and be around each other and do comedy. That doesn't mean, obviously, I want to be friends with everybody and hang out all day. (laughs) But And you got to keep that competitive edge. That was the part of stand-up I loved was I had a lot of respect for the people I watched. But then I also wanted to beat them. Like oh, this, yeah. I, the idea, I want to win this night. Yeah. And I want to get out there and get the biggest laughs. That's the that's the fun part. And then whether I did or not kind of didn't matter because it was just like, that's just a thing yeah. I have inside me and I get to try yeah. to satisfy that's it. That's real fun for me. I, I, I'm very competitive. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean like, it's just about like where I put it, you know? Yeah. Like I like to be competitive on stage and then just, put it away and not live with that and worry about what somebody part somebody got or if they got a show and I didn't get a show, you know. But as far as like, yeah, being on stage, that's one one of my favorite mantras to use is just um like I'm not better than you, but got no fucking way are you better than me. So- <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's funny. I always I I I grew up telling myself I wasn't competitive just because I wasn't that into playing team sports. But then I do miss like comedy contests, like the funniest person in Austin or the first few like comedy central type competitions. And that's when I realized, oh, I'm super competitive. Like I want to win. It's fun. It's fun. Why not? It people, it's fun to play. And sometimes it's fun to go through the feelings of losing. It just makes you better and makes you not want to feel that again. As long as you can, <laughs> you know where to put it, you know? And a lot for me now, it's led to these things. Like if you see me on do sets at the improv or store, usually like the first five minutes of my act is just me making fun of whoever went before me. And I try <laughs> to always be nice i'm never like they sucked or anything like that because usually they don't you know but um i try to if i disagree about someone's joke or premise i say it and i talk about it and i have fun with it and it is competition for me and i mean i just have fun (laughs) i mean it's not a thing like i just you know a lot of people like tim Dillon. i think he's a fun comedian and and enjoyable of this podcast but like i did a show and it was a lot of these podcasty people came to see him you know and so like he's doing stuff he's doing things but i was disagreeing with a lot of it politically maybe i'm just I'm just well, politically and a lot of just the whole there's just a vibe to me of like whether you're right or not, those type of things. Sometimes the way you put it is like, well, yeah, duh. And you're just drumming to a choir and you're just beating right, right. this drum. And it's not really it's like for you know, like middle school philosophy to me. Like, yeah, we all thought this shit in middle school. So don't, I don't need that now. Tell me something a little bit more. Tell me about you, you know? And yeah, so that's yeah. what I say. I'm like, oh I, oh, I didn't know the world sucked until like I heard <laughs> yeah. this set. I thought things were going good. You know, like I heard gas prices was high, but I thought my assistant was lying to me to try to get more money from me. And, you know, just like that stuff. And then I was just, and then I just do this whole bit. I was like, I don't even watch the news. Like, you know, and the news makes me sad. What do I want to do? Just end up sad and fat like Tim? And then they were like, oh. And I was like, <laughs> I was like you guys are going to owe me after watching that? You can't watch him for 15 minutes rip everything apart. And then when I call a sad fat man sad and fat, 
get mad at me. That's yeah. not how it works. You were just making it personal because your comedy's personal. That's the yeah. end, that's what you know to do. Yeah. That's just what I do. And it was fun. And then I still got them on my side. And that's what makes it fun for me when I can still get my point across, not be disrespectful, you know? Yeah. I wasn't like, oh, why did you guys like this or anything like that? Yeah, I just yeah. go, hey, I, he's great. Wasn't he great? I disagree with this. This is what I said. Yeah, yeah. Then, mm-hmm. That's an interesting aspect of comedy competition. Yeah, I never yeah. think of it that way. Are also, you a- I think oh. him as a, sorry, I was just going to say, okay. him as a comic, it feels like he would love that rip. It would yeah. be like a, oh, I a got, roast. Yeah, he's he always would love nice. it. Yeah, when I see him, you know, it's not like we're friends or anything, but like he's always respectful to me and I'm respectful to him. I, I'm yeah. respectful of anybody that builds their own thing up. I'm always a big fan of that. So I'm never, I just disagree with, you can disagree with people. And yeah. so I, as a, and I think our philosophies in life are different. And so I just like to bring that. I'm just getting better at not being afraid to be myself in, it used to be okay. Like, like that's one thing I love so much about Meltdown and being at the back of that comic book store. It's like, oh, I can be 100% me. And now I'm really learning to still be 100% me at the comedy store, at the improv, at the, uh, in Kansas City. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. just do it. <laughs> its own category of comedy. Yeah. Just wherever I am, just being more okay with like, what's going to happen to me? The worst thing's going to happen is that people don't like me, you know, and that's fine. My mom loves me. My mom thinks, my mom tells me I'm the best man she ever met. So, <laughs> where's your mom at? She's in Arizona. Arizona. Oof. I wonder how hot it is in it. Yeah, Arizona. you should go there right now and find out if it's 112. <laughs> no, I mean, no, thank you. Not a fan. Very similar to California. Yeah. I've I'm, been thinking about Arizona a lot lately just because every time I walk outside, I'm like, I the reason I didn't move to Prescott is because I don't want to live in what I'm living in right now. Yeah. And yet here we are. Well, I mean, you still get more colors here. Everything is the same shade of like brown there because they, because it's to reduce the heat, you know, yeah. but it makes mm-hmm. everything look like dune to me or, you yeah. know, That's I don't, right. I'm just starting to get the desert thing, but man, I am a bushes and grass type of dude. I don't get desert living. I think it is a front to God to be like, <laughs> you know what? There's no water here. There's nothing here but lizards and cactus. But I feel like I should build housing here yeah. and fountains and stuff. It's one thing I hate about Las Vegas. Where I'm just like, this is an unnatural place. Too yes. much dirt. Do you miss, like... Rain in Portland? Do you miss living in Portland sometimes? No, I don't usually miss anything. I like to just be wherever I'm at. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, um, I mean, to, I don't mean to sound weird about it, but that's just the thing I, I try to live by. Um, I'm, of course, I enjoy my times and it's fun to, to reminisce yeah. about it, but I go back and visit and then, you know, you go back lately and it wasn't you know, the economic downturn there and then a lot of, uh, like, extremism and strife in the downtown yeah, yeah. area really made that it doesn't look like how I remember and it sad it saddens me in that way. Um so just the rain, I mean. That's the rain and the yeah, waterfall. The ferns so, you just meant Silver beach. Creek Falls. You didn't mean the, <laughs> yeah. the junkies in downtown Portland yeah, yelling yeah. at each other. At least they're wet junkies sitting in a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> it was one weird situation. I saw a couple. They appeared to be a couple. And then this guy just turns to the lady and goes, shut the fuck up, punk. 
And I was like, punk? <laughs> That's the one you went with? I usually, I'm not you. I'm not saying I've never heard somebody yell at a lady, but they usually don't deny them their femininity. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, this place is terrifying. <laughs> I saw, we were sitting somewhere and there was a guy who was walking up and down the street. And this was a while ago, actually, but he was walking up and down the street um, and he was chanting about how he had to kill the current president, who at the time, I believe, was Bush when we were there. And it was like this, and it was this kind of thing where whoever I was sitting with, I just remember both of us looking at each other and being like, we're not against this. Like, this isn't the worst idea we've ever heard. A person who is clearly in a mental distress, <laughs> screaming at the top of his lungs up as he paces up and down the street. That's how I felt about January 6th. Where I'm like, man, they just got the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, yes. I like this. I like the attitude. But the reason is... I like some of the costumes. But, uh... <laughs> I remember when that that seeing that on TV when it actually happened. Well, first I saw it on Twitter, and then turning on the TV, and it looked so dumb, like because they didn't. It was all those um, shots from inside the house or whatever. So like yeah. there weren't any cameras pointed at that crowd outside, which yeah. is where it was. It's so just creepy. two guys and, taking paper out of a printer and throwing it in the air. It's like yeah, what are where you you're doing? just like, what's this? <laughs> Poorly planned Buffalo prank. What hats. are these guys yeah. doing? Yeah. yeah. It was wild. So crazy. <laughs> and it's so fun that they keep, like, now they're just like, hey, could we not talk about it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're so surprised to be going to federal prison for five and six and seven and eight years. They cannot believe it. They can't. It's it's crazy. Yeah, in their I'm, mind, it was just punishment for having a fun weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So nuts. Have you been, Ron, doing... How often are you doing commentary for wrestling matches? Are you still... Uh, I'm not doing much anymore. It got it got weird. Yeah. It got weird for me, so I stopped. Oh, really? Yeah. Did they not let you... I just know, because I had to do commentary for uh, Lucha Vavum once. Oh, I would still do that, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, there's comedy is welcome at that. Yeah. Like, you can yeah. make light of costumes and not know what you're talking about. In my case, I didn't know what I was mm -hmm. talking about. But I, they're probably really serious about it at the... They're super serious. Yeah, right. It's one thing that I learned from getting into it and actually wrestling. Because some people were like telling me that I was going to be the detriment to all of wrestling and expose the business because I'm going to have the worst match of all time. And then it was just like, wow, why did you write this to me directly? Like, you could just think this. And I was like, man, people think comedy fans are sometimes, you know, a bit much, which they, which can be, but yeah. in general, I was like, it pales in comparison to pro wrestling fans. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Pro wrestling's serious. I had to do, I tried to do, Blaine asked me to do the Lucha Vavum commentary and I literally didn't say anything the whole night. 
Because what was happening in front of me was blowing my mind so fucking hard. Yeah. I was literally just, I could only be yeah. the audience. And Are Blaine those guys there little riffing. chickens coming out of an egg? <laughs> For I remember. real. Yeah, being. I was just like, it's just like my mouth was open and then Blaine <laughs> would riff and I'd be laughing at Blaine. And I it, like, I was just at the show yeah. where I'm like, I can't think past the fact um, what's that one guy that's like, he comes out to the Pina Colada song and he's he's like all sassy, and like all the different characters yeah. and all the, everything about it. I mean, you, that's the thing about wrestling is such a show, show, show. I mean, like every part of it oh, is so for, it's that entertainment where and you're just like- so many levels. There's like yes. right now, it's the most exciting time that you don't even know because there's a, like a whole, so there's the wrestling. And then there's all the behind-the-scenes drama that goes mm. on. And that's mm. real fun, too, because they don't all get along with each other. But then they <laughs> got to pretend and then, like, fake fight and not hurt each other. And that's <laughs> what makes it so wild. And right now, there's a whole thing where the champion of the league uh, hates the people who are the vice presidents of the company. And then they got in a fight and he hit him in the face of the chair, but for what? real. So that got <laughs> them real? in trouble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And so now there's lots of going on. Did he think he had the special chair and he used a real chair? Yeah, real I chair. I thought it was a breakaway oh. balsa wood chair. No, not this one. <laughs> oh. Was it on camera? No. That was a real... Ch- uh, okay, I'm sorry. A real fight happened at like the wrestling headquarters and someone actually used a chair. Yeah, well, it's even <laughs> As if more. they were in the ring. Let me break down the whole picture for you. Please and then do. I, he hit McMahon or something? I don't know who. No, there's a different league. Different league. Yeah, I don't know the leagues. Okay, there's a guy named CM Punk. And sure, he used yeah. to work for the WWE. And then he left. And he did a podcast with his friend. And then that podcast led to him being sued for like a shit ton of money. And so mm. he's mad at his friend who basically kind of, you know how I would see this. Like, hey, man. You, if you was a real friend, maybe we should. You, you would have told me we shouldn't put out this full ass podcast when I'm very emotional and right. just yelling everything out, you right. know. And so then they had a big beef with each other, and then that friend got hired at this new wrestling league first. But then he came in. He's a much bigger star than this friend. And that friend hadn't really been doing much, just hanging around in the background, having a match every now and again, but nothing much. So when the new guy comes in, they make it CM Punk champion. And then they, they're like, the boss guy's like, hey, I know you don't, got, you don't like this other guy. I'm probably just going to get rid of him. But that guy... The other guy is friends with the vice presidents of oh. the company. So then they were talking shit and talking <laughs> trash. And then people were getting all mad and it was turning some of the fans against CM Punk. So then at the show in Chicago that I went to, CM Punk wins the championship, sets up this big match against somebody else. And then they do a press conference after. And he's like 40. And he's you could tell he hadn't been eating snacks or sweets before it because <laughs> had a, like a whole box of muffins and stuff after a big event like one would if you're trying to like get yourself together for a special or something you know and so he's eating muffins and he's mad and he gets all yelling about the VPs he's like you guys have been talking trash about me been leaking this information to the wrestling press and stuff because if you know if you really want you know if you got a problem with me you know where I am after the thing and they really went to go find him after the event 
in. And oh, they got wow. in a real live fight. And now he might be fired. Well, and you were there. Out. You you didn't see the fight necessarily, but no. you were in, you were there though. I was there. I tried to get backstage, and the, the guy who was supposed to help me get backstage didn't return my text. So it <laughs> made me was, up. There was apparently issues going on. Wow. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so there's the wrestling behind the wrestling, yeah. which usually you think is part of the wrestling, but there was actually real but the then real sometimes wrestling. they make it part of the wrestling. Yeah. And so that's what makes it, that's again, what makes it so much fun. It's always my favorite part to see the arguments in the hallway with bad lighting. <laughs> yeah. I just love it. I'm a big fan of it. I know you are. I've, I was going to go with you guys back in the day, but I still can. I have this whole future ahead of me. Once you uh, become a lead singer of a band. Right. And you put out your double album at this big show. <laughs> of cover songs. You can decide whether or not you want to stick with singing or move over to wrestling. Right. Well, WrestleMania is in LA this 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 April, so like there'll be a whole week of just like lots of events. So that would be a good time if you need if you need time to prep. Then... <laughs> Read up on it a little bit. Yeah, watch I, some I old videos. To, I can't just go in knowing nothing. It's hard. I got to choose a favorite. My dad's a lifelong wrestling fan, and. His dad, my grandpa, who was from Ireland, thought wrestling was real. And so they would watch the, it was like Friday night fights or whatever mm-hmm. they, and, uh, um, the, and my grandpa just took it all because he didn't have TV growing up. He didn't have anything. So like he would watch it and just be like, this is amazing. And he just took it all like at face value, um, which I totally love. And so I think when that's beautiful. It's the best. I mean, he was the greatest. It wasn't like he, he was a smart man or whatever, but he was just like, it's the fights, you know? This is just, I'm taking what they're given. But, you know, Vince Averill, who, uh, yeah. he's, he's a comic and a huge wrestling fan himself. Um, he and my dad talk about it because my dad can name all these wrestlers from the 50s. And the only one I can think of right now is Gorgeous George, but he knows, like, all of those old, old guys that, of course, Vince knows, too, just from being, like, uh, hardcore. Yeah, hardcore for being the encyclopedia. Man. Yeah, yeah <laughs> for real. <laughs> It's just such an age-old, like, you know, I don't know. It, is it an American tradition? I believe so. Um, but, it, yeah, I just love, yeah, to me, it's like vaudeville and stuff like that, where it's like, and stand-up in a way where you're just like, these are like the building blocks of entertainment. And a lot of times people make fun of it or they don't get it because they go, oh, it's fake. But it's like, to me, that's just so silliness because like all of it's fake. So like, you know, every yeah. show you watch <laughs> is fake. So I don't, I, I never really understood that. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of wrestlers that in Denver that came to comedy shows. Have you noticed that trend? Yeah. No, I met a lot of wrestlers through coming to my comedy shows and stuff. So that's so cool. That's been, yeah, it's real nice. I got a lot of friends and and who work in wrestling, and now I have a wrestling podcast that I do. Um, so that's been fun. What's your wrestling podcast? I just call One Fall for Ron Fonja. It's live on Sundays on Spotify Live. Um, usually six Pacific, nine Eastern. We just have people call in. We talk about wrestling. So it's real interactive. And then I bring my friends from either the world of wrestling or the world of comedy or whatever. And, uh, we all just talk about wrestling. It makes it fun because like we had like one where it was me and, um, Robin Tran and this wrestler named Effie, who is like this real flamboyant, um, queer gay wrestler and so just talk to both of them about like you know just 
coming into entertainment and trying to expand an audience or bring a new audience yeah. in that doesn't normally come see a show uh, like that is was really fun and li to listen to. When does getting better? What what week day of the week is getting that better? That usually comes out Monday nights, Tuesday mornings. Yeah, that's my passion project. Um, we just talk about getting better with my friends, <laughs> getting better at their craft, getting better at life, checking in with myself. We're in the big, we're in the seven days in the sweaty September where I try to work out every day of September. And then, oh, wow, uh, you're in the midst of that, yeah. Well, seven days, yeah, seven oh, days sweet. in, yeah. <laughs> so, we're good, haven't missed one yet. You know, it doesn't have to be some big thing, sometimes it's just walking, sometimes it's stretching, something, yeah, but, yeah. Just make Whatever. some effort. Just getting sweaty. Yeah, nice. yeah, that's great. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It's a good plan. Anything else? Do you have any uh, any plugs or anything coming up that you want to? Uh, I mean, if people want to, they could check out uh, Loot, which is a show I'm on on Apple TV with Maya Rudolph and um, Joe Kim Booster and Michaela J. Rodriguez from Pose. Uh, and I mean, a lot of people, Netflix, and it's got a lot, Adam Scott, it's got, it's a hell of a cast. It's a really good show. <laughs> uh, so I'm very lucky to be part of it. And it's real cool to work with Maya Rudolph. And, um, she's and the greatest. She truly is the greatest. A real, like, so cool. Such a open, sweet person. And, uh, yeah, so we got like a second season we're going to start working on oh, soon. So if people won't get in on the ground floor and know what's going on, get in and watch this first season. And then um, I played King Shark on a cartoon called Harley Quinn that's on HBO Max. If people want to check that out. Yeah, our producer is a big fan of that. Nice. I appreciate <laughs> that. I love that nice. show too. Congratulations on Loot. I didn't know you were on that. That's very Yeah, cool. I didn't either. I've, I'm Admittedly, I've not yet watched it. And now I shall. It's okay. I will Please. too. Because of it's you cool. and not all the stars you just listed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're the star, Ron Funch. Is yeah. You're the star. Well, I did really good in it. I get to do real acting in it, which is a big <laughs> press. Big, uh, you know, something I've been real interested in. I've been in class since I moved out here. But a lot of it, myself, have been like real sitcom-y, you know? Yeah. And so... For to get a chance to like, like uh, you know, it doesn't really matter anybody else. Another thing is silly, but they're important. You know, I love little things because they're not just to me, and they show me what I want to see. <laughs> and yeah. um, you know, I just been working so hard in class and seeing a lot of progression, and then not necessarily been able to showcase that in yeah. the things I was booked on. And um, I did this like we did this one episode I was really proud of, and then like TV line, which is like, you know, a decent place, a decent act. They do this thing like where they do their actor of the week. And like, oh, I got like honorable mention and it was me so cool. and like Ed Harris and Neil Patrick Harris. And Holy I was like, because at first I was like, oh, whatever. Some little blog probably About guys just, named Harris. Yeah, just <laughs> put me on a thing. But then I go and look and I'm like, oh, these are like real actors. That's and so they're cool. like saying I hung with them and it really makes me happy and, um, um, makes me really excited to to work harder and 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 try to get even better. That's so amazing. Awesome. And you are, I am competitive too, but you're one of those comics that the whole time I've watched your career build, I've just been really uh, proud of you, and it's really cool to watch happen. So good work, buddy. Thank you very much. Yeah, of course. Yeah, if you've never seen Ron Funches do stand up comedy. Um, and you're listening to this podcast right now, please go and do that as soon as you can. He's truly a, such an original voice yes. and such a truly, truly talented, just 
Yeah, he's one of those people you watch and you're just like, there he goes. That guy's yeah. that he's got it. Yeah. You've always been like that, Ron. It's none of none of your success surprises me. It's all it all feels very right to yeah. me. So congratulations. Yeah, good job. I'm so Ron. happy to hear. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I guess it, since uh, not to be over emotional and just get right back into a plug since you said that. <laughs> um, <laughs> YouTube they put my hour special giggle fit on. on oh, cool. Count uh, Central put it on YouTube, so if people do, if you've not heard of me, that's probably the best. That's the thing I'm most proud of yeah, right now is yeah. my hour special. So you can go check that on YouTube, and then if you like me, I'm I'm on the road. So go to ronfunches.com and buy tickets. But so when we get back around, thank you so much. <laughs> really, thank really you so much, makes Ron, me for being good. on. It's good to see yeah. you. Yes, thank you for being here. Thank it was great to t- see you and talk to you. You've been listening to Do You Need a Ride? D-Y-N. A-R! This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Mixed by John Bradley. Our talent booker is Patrick Kotner. Theme song by Karen Kilgareth. Artwork by Chris Fairbanks. Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dinar Podcast. That's D-Y-N-A-R Podcast. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Honk, honk. We usually honk right there. (laughs) (laughs) Follow Do You Need a Ride on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you never miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. And visit the exactlyrightstore.com to purchase Do You Need a Ride merch.